0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. If you looked at those grain markets today, especially the happenings of the soybeans, you might be scratching your head or wondering what has taken a market that was doing well go back into the negative territory. Even the oil, seeing some negative numbers for the rest that pretty much we saw positive all the way across the trade. On the livestock side, some positivity there as well, and some interesting things happening when it comes to cash. We're going to find out all the details today as Arlen Suderman is joining us from Stonex. So let's start out with the soybean market, a variety of factors, a few extra finger stories in the pot to affect the trade today.
1: Yeah, I think one of the keys to remember here is the funds do not make money in a stagnant market. Now, soy oil was down today, but we've had quite a run there without a significant correction. We did have a big update yesterday and we just kinda of took that back away today of uh, soybeans traders got uh, frustrated that they could not sustain a move above uh, 1440 in the uh, lead May contract and funds as I said don't make money in a stagnant market well if we can't take it higher let's take it back lower so moving back toward the bottom of the trading range and assuming support holds at the bottom then they'll take it back up to the top and trade the range until we actually get some momentum that can take us outside this range. And and right now, I'm not too worried about the downside. There's always that risk. Uh, but the fundamentals for soybeans look to remain strong for quite some time. We are watching African swine fever in China, and that is getting worse. But that's more of a Brazil problem right now. That becomes more of a US problem as we get into late summer. And uh, in the meantime, we've still got very tight stocks here in the States.
0: You are the first person I have heard say that this has become a, a Brazil problem than us having to worry about it from a soybean purchase point.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, China's already emptied our shelves of exportable supplies of soybeans. The question is, did they take too many soybeans and not leave enough or not uh, for processors through the summer months? I think what I was, have been expecting and have said previously on this program is that I expected exports to end up higher than what USDA has currently indicated and that therefore we can't take stocks much tighter so we'd have to increase imports and cut crush in order to balance the balance sheet. Well, and, and mainly I was expecting exports to come in strong like China usually comes back here in August ahead of our ha- our harvest. But with the slower demand from Brazil right now I think that's going to stretch Brazilian supplies through summer and I don't expect China to come back to the United States now until about harvest time this fall and if that's the case then I think it's possible for us to end up hitting USDA's target not having to hit the crush or reduce crush any significance and so I feel a little bit better about that Um, But it does mean, though, that it could reduce exports for the coming year. I have reduced my Chinese consumption numbers and import numbers by several million metric tons, a little over 100 million bushels, and more adjustments could be made if they don't get a handle on this disease soon.
0: So, and and we were talking about this earlier uh, this week during the program, how much pressure – is it putting on these soybean acres knowing that, like you said, the shells have been kind of cleaned out and uh, numbers can change with what we saw last Wednesday from the USDA?
1: Yeah, I think the market has to assume right now that African swine fever is going to be gotten under control again. Uh, the industry in China is much more commercialized than it was Prior to the first round of African swine fever, and that should make it a little easier for them to get a handle on it, get it controlled, not be as long a cycle. They're still going to have to rebuild after that, but I think they'll be able to get a better handle on it. Um, but overall, we still got to work our way through this, got to get to that point and get that demand back. We have to assume is where I was going that the demand will come back. And if that's the case, even a trend yield on these acres that USDA reported will not be enough. We have to have more acres or we're going to have to ration that demand with higher prices. And so that's what the market can't really get away with assuming, well, demand is going to soften enough so we don't really need the acres. That's a risky assumption at this point.
0: What are you hearing when it comes to weather conditions in the Safrina corn crop?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because we hear about all the dryness, below normal rains, etc. And frankly, most of Brazil's Safrina corn crop has received below normal rains. Now, normal is still pretty significant in northern parts of the belt in Mato Grosso. So I looked at rainfall totals over the last 30 days. They've had regions there that have had 8 to 10 inches of rain. Now, most of those rains were in the month of March and have started to back off, as they typically do this time of year. And once we get into the last half of April, they tend to shut off pretty significantly as the rainy season comes to an end. If you look at the belt as a whole, and it stretches over quite an area, um, normal rainfall amounts are heavier in the northern areas than they are in the southern areas. But if you look at it as a whole, The last 30 days would normally have seen about seven and a half inches of rain, and it's been considerably less than that, a little over 4 inches of rain. But if you look at southern areas, they've only had a couple inches of rain, and some areas have only had like a half inch of rain over the last 30 days. The real stress right now is in the southern half of the Sphrena Belt. The northern half is primarily in Mato Grosso and closely surrounding areas. The corn looks real good there, and they could still have above trend yields, although the lateness of the planting of the crop means that some of it's still vulnerable if the rains shut off. It's the southern half that is hurting, and frankly, the southern half is expected to stay dry for the next month. And that means that we're probably going to have significantly reduced yields. We've reduced our estimate by about 3 million metric tons. Our team down there in Brazil did. And we'll probably see more reductions to come.
0: All right. Well, stick around, folks. We come back. We're going to hit this livestock pretty hard as meat demand. Where are we sitting with that? Packer margins. And, of course, what's been happening with this cash cattle trade? As we sit on a midweek broadcasting today from the Nebraska soybean board studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska soybean farmers and their checkoff. It's the Fontanel final bell. On the Welcome back to the Fontanel final bell here on the rural radio network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue the conversation with Arlen Suderman, he is with StoneX. Can I kind of switch gears a little bit and look what's happening on the livestock side, meat demand. I love the fact when you talk about meat demand and it is solid, which means, Hopefully some good news is coming the way of our producers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh as we look at the data for the past year, we've seen that domestic meat demand has increased by about 11%. Over the past year, as consumers have become more educated about the cuts of meat and how to prepare the cuts of meat, and they've increased their taste for meat and for preparing it, and that's good. That can that can give us increased demand for years to come, and we, we're grateful for that. Um, we also are seeing a strong export demand, and uh, particularly with African swine fever revigorating itself in China now but other countries as well. So we have this strong demand for product, but we're having limitations on the supply. For hogs, we've got the lower numbers of hogs. I mean, we've got some barns in Iowa that are empty and planning on staying empty until the spring, um, excuse me, until the fall. Um, even with these margins that are out there that uh, they could be filled, but they're reluctant to fill them up to trust this rally. Uh, but on the cattle side, uh... we've got the cattle but we've got limitations on processing um, the packer margins are estimated at over five hundred dollars a head by some sources uh... that would seem to be that they've got the incentive to move as many cattle through the system as possible and kind of fill that demand but one of the problems that we're seeing is all of the requirements that were put in place over the last year to protect the workers in these processing plants from COVID-19 put limitations on how on capacity, on how many animals you can move through the system and how much product you can move through the system It just backs it up. So there appears to be some type of a a limit so to speak and basically we're having trouble uh, processing more than 120 to 122,000 head per day. So the only way to really get more through the current plants is to expand the week. And right now we're at about 5.7 day week. You'd have to take it closer to a six day week, more overtime, et cetera. But there are also labor limitations on what we're able to do there as well. So that's limiting the number of cattle. Now, having said that, we did see cash cattle trade higher, establish a higher market about three dollars higher this week, about 120 to 120 and a half in the Southern Plains, about 122 to 122.75 in in the Northern Feedlot District. So we are finally seeing some higher cash over the last couple of weeks after seven weeks being stuck at 114. Um, but this is really limiting if we could have more capacity from the processors. I think we could be pulling a lot more cattle and giving a lot more leverage to the feeder than what he currently has.
0: It's nice to hear some some good news is coming their way, though, after the struggles we've seen over this whole pandemic.
1: Yeah, it is, and uh, I think things look bright for the meat industry. You can always have black swan events. Certainly, we have to be concerned about that. Um, but it's always good to have strong demand. And 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 I made a comment a, a year ago um, as we were coming, you know, we were in the middle of the darkness of the shutdown um, that I really thought we would see stronger demand for grains in the last half of the year. I thought we'd see a lot of shipments to China in the last half of the year. And we might still have adequate supplies, but things sure feel better when you have the demand there, and that's the way it played out. And then what you, we added in there that I had no idea we would do so much of is four trillion dollars inserted into the cash of the into the hands of the consumer via fiscal and monetary stimulus. Those things have worked together now to to really brighten the outlook for agriculture.
0: So as we look at these cash cattle trade, I mean, I know that on Monday it was kind of out of the norm to already be hearing some early offers on the price. Where are we sitting on a Wednesday and is it true there's been some three dollar higher offers out there?
1: Yeah we, we've seen that market really get established today at about three dollars higher um, and uh, I think that's really reflective of the demand finally passing some of that on to the feeders. Again we've got those constraints on how many animals they can take through uh, but it is encouraging to see that higher cash movement.
0: So we look at this, what do we need to be focusing on? I mean, obviously with packer margins and what they're at and with the prices for the cattle coming to a, to an even, where we see some more purchases coming?
1: Yeah, I think we will for the livestock producer. Now we've got to turn our heads to Friday's uh, USDA crop report. Um, see what they do with the stocks numbers from March 31st. The new acreage numbers won't be included into the balance sheet until the May report, see what that does for feed prices. I think the biggest risk now to livestock producer near term is what could happen with feed costs in the months ahead, particularly if we have any kind of weather threat on these lower acreage numbers.
0: All right, lots of great information today, Arlen. What's the best way for folks to reach you?
1: StoneX.com or over on Twitter, you can follow me. My handle is Arlen A R L A N F F one zero
0: one. That is the Fontanel Final Bell. Just a reminder: commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable to all investors. The Fontanel Final Bell being brought to you by Fontanel Hybrids and all your local Fontanel dealers, right here on the Rural Radio Network.